Today's Happy Healthy You podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash happy healthy you. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. Hi everybody, welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman and I've got the best guest today. We hear beauty is as beauty does. It's written all over your face. I mean, we've heard so many expressions and really it is truly written all over your face. I just had an amazing reading with my guest, Rose Rose Tree, and she's here. She has studied the 5,000 year old art of physiognomy. How do you like that? I said that, Rose. It's a system of face reading secrets that she she's actually has her own face reading system. And she helps us all glean the information that's written all over our face so that we can make our lives better and fulfill all of our spiritual missions and and all kinds of good stuff. She's written books about it and she teaches on the subject. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Rose, to talk to us all and enlighten us about face reading. (laughs) It really, it's so funny that with all the attention we pay to how we look, and the cosmetics and the jewelry and the cutification. Yes. That many of us haven't progressed much at looking at faces since we were about five years old. And just listening to our interview, our conversation today, you might pick up the beginning of this and you can take it as far as you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so this is called physiognomy. How do you like that? Physiognomy, I said it. Tell us what is the history of face reading and what is it all about? Well, to start with what it's all about. Face reading means interpreting the physical face that someone has right now to learn about who that person really is. And it's different from judging people based on their appearance or beauty. It's different from expression reading. It's about things that are not simply mood or temporary, but real tendencies or personal style a person has right now that can be very useful to know about to do business or to date. In fact, you could do face reading for five minutes in advance of your date from a photo when you have the skill set. And in those five minutes, you'd learn more practical things about being with that person than you might learn in six months of reading expression or checking out how dreamy those eyes are. So I guess the dating sites would come in handy in that respect because you could take a look at their pictures if they put the right picture. <laughs> also, you know, you can get photos so easily now if you just go onto Google and you go onto the images tab, you type in the person's name, there are loads of photos. I've spent months of my life tracking down celebrity photos from my books and things. And now it's, it's way easy. Yeah. yeah. And plus Facebook, there's lots of ways to get photos. So in person or from regular photographs, you can learn so much. And about the history of face reading, Connie, it's really exploding today. Not in the sense of the face is exploding. Fortunately, that hasn't happened to either of us. Or I hope anybody who's uh, enjoying this podcast. Instead, what I mean is that we see so many faces in a day. You know, maybe 10,000 images of faces will be part of your everyday environment on a particular day. And one of the nice things about face reading today 
is that it keeps you from being burned out by all those people. It also helps you to avoid judging faces or evaluating faces based just on whether they seem to be perfect or not. Because so many of the faces we see on professional actresses or others are so really perfect looking beyond what most of us have that we start feeling bad about ourselves. And let's say you're of a certain age like me because I'm 66 now. Well, there's a tendency in society for you, if you're female, to be just belittled over each decade, maybe become socially invisible or whatever. And even when you're looking in the mirror, worry about how you look. And with the kind of face reading that I do, this face reading secrets system, you discover that your face is perfect now as a reflection of who you really are as a person. It's not only practical, it's kind of comforting. It is, <laughs> it is, and it, it's fascinating. I mean, when we started the face reading session, you mentioned that we would cover everything from here to here, but no color. And of course, that's the first thing I said was my eyes are changing color a little bit. But so you're not talking about ethnicity or anything that has to do with our um, our race or anything that could be stereotyping. You're really talking about the specific aspects of us that makes us all unique on our face, which is really kind of beautiful and makes us all beautiful and unique creatures of God. And, and you, you have to mention your, um, your tagline, God, what, finish it. God don't, God make, don't make no junk. Right. <laughs> I haven't ever thought of it as a tagline. It's more an inspiration that was part of the basis for developing this system. God don't make no junk. In other words, what you've actually got on your face it has meaning and value. And everything from your hairline or where it would be if you still had one, and <laughs> your first chin, and one ear and the other, except for color, is full of meaning in this kind of physiognomy. It has it significance. Has, so how did face reading come about 5,000 years ago or however long it was? How did Who started it and, and what was it all about then? In China, just as China gave rise to acupuncture mm -hmm. about 5,000 years ago, so two people were studying Xiang Mian, or how your soul shows in your face. And the tradition just continued for a long time, and it's been in other parts of the world as well. And in terms of the history of contemporary face reading, that is something that I have in a small way contributed to. Because the old systems, such as Xiang Mian, have some truth to them, or they wouldn't have survived at all. But a lot of them have a kind of uh, deterministic quality. Sometimes, for instance, they involve fortune-telling. You can find books on Xiang Mian, and there will be a face with little numbers written all over it. And that's because, if heaven forbid you have a mole or a pimple there, it means some terrible thing will happen to you at that age. Mm -hmm. and. I began studying Xiang Mian in 1975, and then I read everything I could find in the English language on face reading at the time. There wasn't as much as there is now. And I decided to develop a different system that would be based on that premise that God don't make no junk and would not involve fortune telling and would help people understand about personal style. Also, one of the other things about this system that's distinctive is that there is a talent or gift for personal style, gift for success, gift for being you that shows with every single item of face reading data. And then 
there's a potential challenge that fits right into it. And that challenge is interesting because free will is such an important part of life now, unlike back 5,000 years ago when people had it, but they didn't have the kind of social mobility and opportunities and technology that we have today. So now it is a fascinating part of face reading to me how if you hear about one of the potential challenges that goes with some face data, sure, then sure. you could have overcome it. Or maybe you haven't, and the face reading will help you have more compassion for yourself. So either way, you win something, because if you've overcome the challenge, it doesn't mean the face reading was inaccurate. It means that you did something wonderful. You overcame a challenge, and wouldn't it be nice to give yourself credit? Because so many of us do not give ourselves enough credit for how hard we work to be good people and how much we grow here at our school. Oh, that's um, so true. So Tell us what is the goal of a face reading session between you and your clients, and then how does a typical session go? And I'll make comments here and there as I'm inspired. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, if I might, I want to first point out that the vast majority of people never have a face reading session with me or people who graduated from my professional program. Instead, they learn from books like The New Power of Face Reading because it's actually one of the easiest things to learn from a book that you could find. Okay. And just be very careful which book you read because there's a different system to every type. Now, over here with a, a session, which is my fave, there are different kinds of face reading sessions that I do. Usually the first one is a life potential face reading. And there the client comes with whatever personal goal she or he has at the time so that I can be sensitive to that. And you get to look in a mirror and decide what you're interested in learning about because there's so much information there it is impossible to cover all of it in 55 minutes yeah. so you choose what's interesting I get to supply other things that I think are interesting that maybe you never even saw on your face before yes which yeah. you did yeah. <laughs> which you did so do you typically start with the most prominent feature or or how does how do you decide because I know with me we started with my eyebrows was that my most prominent feature <laughs> um, good question and I don't have one answer it just depends on why the person is having the session and what I notice in the face. And it's complicated. So sometimes I'll spend quite a while like doing the face reader's look, which I hope doesn't terrify anybody. You can do it for yourself in the mirror just to see which data is interesting. Right. I right. guess the bottom line, Connie, is you go for what's interesting, what's juicy. Because there's so much juicy in everybody's face. There's just so much great information showing wonderful talents and what makes the person distinctive, even identical twins. Interesting. And, now, what are some of the more interesting features that people have? Can you talk about like like high cheekbones, for example? If somebody has really high cheekbones, does that mean something? Tell us what that means. Um, well, cheeks have lots of categories about power. And maybe after I respond about high cheekbones, I could give a quick overview of different parts of the face. Oh, that would be interesting, yes. Categories in them yeah. and what they're about, if you'd like. Meanwhile, high cheekbones, first of all, just to, to see the data, high cheekbones have their biggest fullness toward the eyes. And you are a great example of that because your right cheek is a high cheekbone, your left one is not. Oh, and interesting. There are lots of subtle differences in faces. It's not as though most people 
would see that right off. But you're an example of someone who has a high cheekbone on one side and not the other. Just a practical tip. You know, if you look in a mirror, push this okay, one out. You can have a mirror right now, right? Okay, yes. Look in the mirror and take your index finger and point to your right cheek. Okay. Uh huh. And then put the mirror down and and keep your finger there. Oh, shoot. Good. I already did it wrong. So, on my side of the screen, that's the left side of the screen. I'm touching my right cheek now. Okay. And that's on the left side of your screen, right? Because these mirrors that we use that have only been around for about 200 years. Right. You right. really have a, a handy, cheap mirror. These mirrors that we use, they reverse our faces. So when you look in the mirror, what you see is not anything that anybody else ever sees unless they're on the same side of a mirror as you looking at you. That is so true. My mother used to tell me that all the time, and, and I never really thought about it. I, I, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't it, ever really see ourselves the way we are. So. On the other hand, if you come out to Sterling, Virginia, and you have an in-person session of face reading with me, I will bring in a non-reversing mirror for you to look at. I don't carry it around because it's very large, very fragile, and very expensive. But if you ever decide you want to spend a large amount of money and get that kind of mirror, go online and hunt under non-reversing mirror. Meanwhile, back at you in the high cheekbones, don't want to forget that, Connie. <laughs> yes, this thank is you. one of the great things about you. The whole right side of your face or, or anybody's face has data about what you're like in public, making a first impression or working. Of course, the whole left side of your face is about what you're like with people you know really well, family members, friends, ones you're close to. Okay. okay. So that said, because this is just on the right side of your face, it applies to you in career, not so much in your personal life. And anybody who's looking at that great face of yours can see that it just sticks out the most there. And it's not the same thing as having prominent cheeks or cheeks the widest part of your face or other things that sometimes people confuse with IG points. So anyway, this is a power talent. It's a talent for sticking up for what you believe is right ethically. And you know, your you face doesn't show a lot of face data about mm -hmm. confronting people. When we spent close to an hour reading your face before, right. you didn't hear me talk about, oh, how you love to argue and fight. Right. right. But this is the big exception that if you're working with people and you find out they're starting to do something that's illegal or immoral or just plain wrong, you're going to call them on it, huh? <laughs> and that's all right here in my right cheek. That one part of your right cheek. One part yeah, so of my right cheek. The potential challenge with this, which you may or may not have overcome and maybe you'll share with us, the potential challenge with this, one, Connie, is when people don't thank you. To put it mildly. You know, you know that's really like that. true. It is true. Oh my so learning to handle yeah. that is overcoming the challenge. So you don't do it to be popular. You do it because it's right. And for some people, it's more important to do what's right than to win popularity points in that particular case. Right. right. 
Wow. It's really fascinating. I mean, and, and it seems to me that the whole idea behind a session with you is really to to glean more information about ourselves and our, our I mean, for me, it was my spiritual mission and, um, you know, all that kind of juicy stuff. But but we can really learn more about ourselves and be conscious of why we came here to, as you, you call it, to our school. So our school. Big one room schoolhouse where the grades are not labeled. Yeah. 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 Place with lots of illusions. And face reading is one of those things that can help you go past the illusions and understand more what really is, such as the fact that everybody is not, quote, just like me, unquote. Mm. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. so many things about us that make us unique and, and just beautiful children of God inside and out. So this is really great. Can we talk about a couple of celebrities maybe and get into some juicy things about some of these famous faces? And maybe sure. there's something about their face that is why they're famous. Emma Stone, she's really hot right now, such a great actress. Can you talk about her face a little bit and what she, what does she have going? Sure, I'd like to. And of course, it would be her face at a particular time. Sure. So I found a photo of her from, I think it was 2011. Maybe I'll share that with you and you can share that sure, sure, sure. online in some way so people can see what her face was like then. And I will say in response to what you were implying. Could there be something about the person's face that shows why the person is famous or, or successful? Yeah. Yeah. It's not generally that so much, except that to be a young female actress and a film actress in America, there are some things that are very helpful for that. And Emma Stone happens to have them. So, for instance, she has a very big face. That counts as face data. If you compare the proportion of your face, the size of your face overall with your body, to what she's got, most of us don't have a big face like that. But people with faces like that are very um, represented in TV and film work, such as Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who keeps coming up with not only her huge talent, but her very big face, or Hugh Laurie from House. And um, the gift that goes with this, if you have it, is that you're extremely memorable to other people. And the potential challenge that goes with it is feeling guilty because people come up to you and they say, oh, I remember you from 20 years ago, and you don't remember them. And the reason is they don't also have a big face. Ah, yeah. So the big so the, face must translate well to camera as well. So well, it she, does. She's However, beautiful on camera. it particularly translates to being memorable to, to other people. Not that that's the only thing that can help somebody in a career. You know, in general, for any career that you have, your face is full of secrets about how you can be successful. Because the unique configuration of talents and style that you have make you an individual who can do things nobody else can do. And it's not as though face reading says, at least not the kind of face reading I do, it's not like you get a face reading from me and I say, you must be an actress, you must be a fisherman. Right. right. You must be a fisherman. No, it's not like that. It's more how you'd be the fisherman or how you'd be the actress. And we have tremendous flexibility with our free wills. In general, if you lead from your talents, 
you'll have a better life and a bigger career than if you try to be other people. You're ahead so of the game. So the thing yeah. about Emma Stone that's interesting um, in the photo that I found to, to read is that her left eye is down-angled. Her right eye is up-angled. Most people have an up-angled eye. In fact, most people have two. 95% of people do. And I'll just demonstrate on me how you can see it. I use the connect the dots method. And so what you do is you imagine a dot at the inner corner of the eye where the tear duct is. Okay. And then you imagine a dot at the outer corner where you have a kind of three-way intersection, upper eyelid, lower eyelid, and white of the eye. And if it's higher, you draw an imaginary line, it would go up. If it's even, you draw an imaginary line and it would go this way. If it's down, you draw an imaginary line, it would be down-angled. So with Emma Stone, does that make sense to you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, good. So with Emma Stone, earlier in her career, before she became as famous as she's been the last couple of years, she had two up-angled eyes. And since she's been very famous, her left eye has begun to angle down. And even though I suspect she's had some cosmetic surgery on her face over the years, for instance, if you look at older pictures of her, her nose tip is small, but now it's extremely small. Extremely, extremely small. Because, you know, the pressure on these performers to look, quote, perfect, unquote, mm. according to somebody else's standards, is just crazy. It is, really. In my opinion. So, anyhow, what does it mean that her eye went from up-angled to down-angled on the left side of her face? Uh, eye angle is about your outlook and social situations. So, with you, for instance, Connie, you have two up-angled eyes, and that suggests that both in career and in your personal life, you sure? you'll expect things, yeah, have to do the connect dots thing. Okay. Take okay. a little time when you're not busily interviewing me. You'll see it. And so it goes with having a, a, a degree of optimism about what can happen in a social situation. Like your courage in having the podcast that you do. You know, you really put yourself out there in this way of being in the world. It's it's very personal to you and it's courageous. And the fact that you risk it again and again and again yeah. is yeah. a tribute in part to your your high ideals and high expectations and optimism. And that's the gift that goes with this characteristic. The more up angled, the stronger that is. Yours are moderately up angled, Connie. So anyway, the potential challenge that goes with this when you have up angled eyes is that you get disappointed because you were expecting the moon and you had to settle for some green cheese or, or whatever. So that's up angled eyes. And Emma Stone used to have that in her personal life as well as in her career. Now she has it still in her career, but in her personal life she has what down angled eye means. And a down angled eye brings the gift of great compassion for people and their suffering and their problems. Aww. A different kind of beautiful, huh? Right. right. I knew she was sweet. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's sweet. Mm -hmm. And for any of you who are listening or watching this interview that Connie and I are having now, if you have a left angled eye, I've got a question for you. Okay. If you remember 
you have gone through a time in your life when it was hell. If you have a down-angled right eye, it was in your career. If you have a down-angled left eye, it was in your personal life. And you just never really believed that you were going to get out of it. It was that horrible. It lasted long enough to be that horrible to you. And if you responded to that by gaining compassion for people, then you got a kind of facial reward, a down-angled eye. Interesting. Interesting. Sometimes people, it changes back. Um, sometimes people had a down-angled eye and it changes back, like John Gray used to have very down-angled eyes and then they got up-angled. I used to have a down-angled uh, left eye um, when I was 19 and it, it changed because our faces change a lot. But if you've ever had a down-angled eye, you keep for life that compassion. So this is an exception to the general rule in face reading secrets that it's a potential challenge. For a down angle that you had, you had it. And how you responded resulted in how your face changed. Faces change a lot. And they're always in ways that are meaningful. And so that reflects what's going on. The changes that happen reflect what's going on internally. That's right. right. And not just a mood. Mm -hmm. You know, many people think face reading is about somebody's mood. No, that's expression reading. And that's fine, but it won't tell you the things you need to know about somebody. It won't tell you about ethics. It won't tell you about power style. It won't tell you about how a person works most effectively. It won't tell you about how somebody communicates. It won't tell you how people sort through their reality. All of those show in different parts of the face. Just to recap, because I think I promised that I was going to just give that quick recap. Mouths are about communication. Chin is about ethics along with jaws and bottom line of your face. Cheeks are about power. Eyes are about social characteristics and face reading. Eyebrows are about thinking patterns. Ears are how you put life together subconsciously, how you sort through reality. Noses have categories about work and money. And your philtrum has categories about sex. So you're just a walking big collection of information that is beautiful. It is so fascinating. So let me just ask you this. You mentioned while we were talking personally that babies come in as sort of a blank slate and they're they're fairly symmetrical in general. And then as their life experiences take them, you know, here, there and everywhere, things start to adapt. Is that true? Okay. And that's why it's not really ethical, in my opinion, to read the face of someone under 18 okay. because the face is developing. The one thing I'd add to what you said so far is it's not just that life happens to us. Right from when we're very small, we have free will and we exert it with an our possible sphere of influence. Like I'm going to wear the pink shirt and I don't want to wear the green shirt. We start using our free will. We make choices and we evolve here at Earth School based on patterns that we set in motion. And it's tremendously important to understand that even if you believe to some degree in fate or destiny, that there is never a time more powerful than the present, and there's no force on earth more powerful in your life than your free will. And if you don't use it because you only believe in what's meant to be, you really miss out on a big opportunity. So with face reading, if, if I might just demonstrate a little bit more about how it works, let's say that this orange part of my marker pen 
represents your physical face. It shows to everybody. Okay. And the opposite end represents your soul or what makes you distinctive and individual. Well, there's a reciprocal relationship, a push-pull relationship between your physical face that shows and your personal style, how you're expressing, accumulated choices that you make deep within you. And so what happens with faces is that usually the way faces change is that we make choices over time and then our faces change according to this sacred spiritual alphabet so that our faces outpicture that choice we've made. And even if you've heard that our faces are all about heredity, that's only half the truth to this face reader and it's a boring half because the interesting half is this use of free will. You might know somebody who has something like with the cheek or the left ear or the mouth. It's not like anybody else in the family. That's because that person is doing something with personal style that's not like other people in the family. Interesting. Sometimes there's a so-called accident or, mm -hmm. or there's an illness that shapes it. But very often we can kind of morph or mutate or there's somebody far away in the gene pool and we just manage to have that characteristic show. It's a mysterious process. We don't do it consciously. Maybe it's orchestrated by the divine. But faces really are meaningful. Everything about color can be read in ways that are really meaningful about that soul. And, yeah. and you write about how husbands and wives start looking alike. Can you talk about that for a second? What a great example, Connie, mm -hmm. because, you know, there's Joe and Gladys, they're married, or Joe and Joe, or Gladys and Gladys, they're married, and let's say that Joe has a personal style around calling people on unethical behavior, and Gladys winds up really coming to value that, and she starts to do it too. She keeps that up, she'll wind up having high cheekbones also. That's so amazing. It, it really happens. And you know what else is really a, a wild example of this? Yeah, yeah. We have so many blended families today. Sure. Like yeah. the Brady Bunch, only not fictional. Right. And so in a, a family like that, there could be the mom, Gladys, and her little cute daughter born to her husband, little Josephine. And Josephine is very close to the mom, uh -huh. and she winds up looking like her, looking like her. It's not about heredity. Plus, identical twins, you know, if it were all about heredity, they'd always look identical. But over the age of 30, the more each one is her or his own person, their faces really change. And I will tell you, I do lots of face reading sessions, and clients generally appreciate it a lot, but by far my most gracious and grateful clients are the identical twins. Because I'll spend maybe half an hour talking about things that are similar and they can relate to what it means inside. And the other half of the session I talk about how they're different mm -hmm. and how their faces actually look different in those ways that they never noticed 
Yeah, yeah, there's so many subtleties to the face that we, I guess there's one more question that begs to be asked. My listeners probably want to know, if we change certain things on the inside, can we slow down the aging process on the outside? <laughs> you know, that's such a great question. My good news for you is that everybody gets something. And let me explain a little bit more. Um, there are lots of ways to live here on Earth. And let's say you go to your high school reunion, which was 25 years ago, and people see you and they're really taking a good look at you. They're not just looking at your coloring and your hairstyle and, and you're told, oh, you look just the same as you did back then. You haven't aged a bit, you look just the same. So what you'd win then are pretty points. You'd win social acknowledgement and you'd fit into a lot of our stereotyping in America, which is, the less you change, the more wonderful you are, and the more youthful you are, and the better you are, etc. So you, you win something that way. And what it means in terms of face reading is you haven't really changed or evolved that much. But what a fine way to have a life. I believe in reincarnation, don't you? I mean, why wouldn't we have more than one chance to live? So leave one life to live for the soap opera that might not even be on the air anymore. I'm not sure if I've ever watched it. <laughs> oh. Meanwhile, what if you changed a lot? Then it's because you grew a lot. And um, I can send you just to put online if you want a photo for me when I was 19 and a photo for me when I was 54. And I can send you a link to an article about how my face changed. There were like 22 changes plus wrinkles. I went to a college reunion and I sat with a group of old friends. And at a certain point, a guy turned and asked, do any of you know whatever came of Laura Rosenbaum? That was my name back then, Laura Rosenbaum. <laughs> And, and my best friend from then, who's still a close friend of mine now, Ida Warren, looked at me and we both cracked up because we've been sitting together for half an hour. It's not just that my name is now Rose Rosetree and I've gone through five names in between those two and I've had a very eventful life. I'm not at all surprised he didn't recognize me at all visually because my face has changed so much because a big priority in my life as a spiritual teacher and someone who facilitates aura healing is growing. And what kind of a healer of that would I be if I weren't willing to grow myself, you know? To so I'll send you those things in case you can use them. And you're welcome to go onto my website as awesome. well where there are lots of articles and there are online book supplements and all kinds of fun things at roserosetree.com that you can read at your leisure to learn about how faces change over time. It's really one of the leading edges of physiognomy in the world today because we do have the ability to take selfies and other photos now. Well, you're definitely the go-to person, Rose Rose Tree. Thank you. We will all go to roserosetree.com and get more information and read everything you've written and uh, find out find out more about this mysterious now now it's a little more less mysterious to me I, I thank you so much for my session and thank you for this opportunity to talk to you and um, i look forward to finding out more about my face as it changes through the years <laughs> oh i love that money thanks for the honor awesome thank you
thanks so much for listening to Happy Healthy You. And just for you guys, the Happy Healthy You listener, Audible, the awesome audiobook people, are offering a free 30-day trial to give you the chance to check them out. I always have about three audiobooks going at once. I listen when I'm driving. They're great on long trips, when I'm running, or just hanging out at home. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash happyhealthyyou. Hey, you'll also be helping support this podcast. So thanks. Thanks.